Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Friday, February 25th. U.S. equity futures are surrendering a little bit of yesterday's violent rally, um, although they've rebounded from their lows from this morning, and they're only off relatively modestly. So all the S&P, Dow, and NASDAQ are all off about 50 to 60 basis points. Uh, for the S&P, that works out to about 26 points. So the futures, S&P futures are at around 4260, um, which is about 160 points off of yesterday morning's low. And it's about where the futures low was on Monday night, Tuesday morning when we came in um, after Russia had come out and recognized the Donbass region. Um, so a lot of volatility this week, but you're kind of running in place as far as the end result. Um, the major European indices are rebounding, playing catch up to the U.S. yesterday. So they're up about 1.4% overall. Um, keep in mind, Europe is down about 35 to 5% on a week-to-day basis. So um, still a very ugly week in Europe, but uh, rebounding nonetheless this morning. Most of the major subgroups are higher. Um, the safer haven groups are actually leading. So you have uh, utilities, consumer staples, um, real estate, and healthcare all outperforming in Europe. And then Asia was generally higher across the board, again, playing catch up to the US, although Hong Kong finished in the red. The Hang Seng dropped about 60 basis points. So fairly quiet evening and morning as far as. Um, major incremental news. Um, you know, as far as Russia, Ukraine is concerned, you know, the situation is still extremely fluid. Um, and again, it's not entirely clear what the end game is. Um, you know, multiple reports that U.S. intelligence officials suggest that um, the goal is to kind of, quote unquote, decapitate the Ukraine government. But if you kind of go back to 2014, when there was a, um, you know, a pro-Russia leadership in place that was chased out of the country. So there won't be popular support for any type of new puppet regime that gets imposed, um, in which case then the question is, do you occupy the entire country? But again, the, the forces um, assembled on the border um, are, are, are not nearly large enough um, as far as what it would take to kind of subjugate the entire country. So Still a lot of unknown in terms of the end game there. I still think kind of your Georgia 2008 um, scenario should be considered the proxy, whereby the ultimate goal is to um, uh, solidify the Donbass region um, as far, you know, pushing out the border a little bit, reclaiming all the territory that the separatists um, are already staking claim to, um, and then kind of uh, going from there. You're seeing, as we speak right now, somewhat of a conciliatory headline crossing the tape talking about how um you know russia saying they are prepared to talk um if the ukraine army stops fighting but again a quite a very vague comment um unclear what exactly that means so that's russia ukraine you know as far as the rally yesterday is concerned i know there were a lot of kind of quote unquote ukraine isn't as bad as feared and the sanctions weren't as bad as feared um that seems to be kind of the easy lazy justification there perhaps is a little bit of that um, I think what really occurred yesterday was you saw tech, which has been brutally sold over the last several months, um, you know, going through an earnings season that was quite sloppy and disappointing. Um, tech has been extremely de-risked, um, you know, positioning have been dropped pretty severely over the last several weeks. That coupled with a modest repricing of monetary policy expectations, um, mostly in the ECB, but to a lesser extent in the Fed as well. That, I think, created, um, you know, that helped fuel a violent rebound in tech. So tech led the market um, by several hours yesterday. You had the Nasdaq, you know, approaching positive territory around noon. Um, and and that really kind of dragged the entire tape with it. So that, to me, is really what 
um, stuck out yesterday. I don't necessarily think that tech is kind of on the verge now of a new sustained cycle of outperformance. Um, it's felt very much just kind of like a, a violent um, trading rebound rally versus kind of real genuine buying from uh, people who intend to be in positions for you know months going forward. But obviously, you'll have to see how that plays out. On monetary policy, you did have a relatively hawkish speech last night from Fed Governor Waller. Um, I have all the details in the piece this morning. I sent her on comments last night. Um, you know, I, you did see a mild repricing of expectations. I still think 25 basis points on the 16th um, is very, very likely. The 2022 dot, which will also come out on the 16th, will probably reflect no more than five hikes for this year. Um, I still think the balance sheet is far more important for stocks. And I do think that's also where Powell has flexibility Um in terms of kind of moderating the uh, severity of policy to the extent that the Fed is any more anxious uh, about economic conditions after what's happening in Ukraine. So, you know, some of the um, some of the more draconian scenarios for runoff about, you know, over $100 billion a month in, um, you know, the shrinkage pace, and then a really low number as far as the, um, the, the terminal value on the balance sheet. I think those scenarios probably are off the table. So you're not going to see a pace above $100 billion. A lot of Fed officials, even Waller last night, said that they are not going to be selling assets, at least not initially. So I think you can remove that as far as a concern. And then the question is, again, what the end game is, where they plan on bringing the balance sheet down to. And I kind of feel like they're not even going to pre-announce a number there, but leave it open-ended um, and dependent on kind of economic conditions. So um, that's the Fed. You're going to hear a lot more on the Fed next week. Powell has two days of testimony. So that's going to be probably the single most important macro event next week. And then also the jobs report next Friday will be very important. Um, so those are kind of that's the major macro backdrop this morning. Not any real economic, uh, no real important economic numbers. Um, there was a comment out of China about how they're going to provide more policy support to the economy. Um, that's kind of something you hear from China now on a weekly basis. So I don't, that didn't really strike me as being too incremental. A lot of earnings last night in the US. Uh, too many to go through on the call this morning. Um, you know, mostly idiosyncratic, nothing that's really kind of of macro importance, um, but certainly a ton of individual names. So take a look at the piece for details. On the calendar for today, it should be fairly quiet. Obviously, people will be watching all the headlines out of Russia. You do get the PCE um, for January. So this is the final January inflation number in the US. Obviously, inflation is crucially important. So people will be watching it very closely. Remember, this is the last of, of kind of four major inflation reports that gets re, that gets released. So the CPI, PPI, import, export prices, all were out already for January. All ran very hot. Um, you know, so I think people are kind of really waiting for the February data. We get the February CPI on March 10th. Um, you know, so I, I if you were to see the PCE come in below the street, you know, clearly that would probably elicit a, a positive reaction in stocks. But um, again, I think. Given that this is the fourth inflation number for the month, most people kind of are already moving on to um, to February versus January. Um, and then nothing really major on earnings. And that is essentially everything for today. Um, next week, there is a lot on the calendar, micro and macro. Uh, I have all the details in the piece, like I said, including Powell's testimony and a bunch of other things. And that is everything for today, Friday, uh, February 25th. Thank you for listening.